Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring CNET's cheapskate, Rick Broida. We'll also hear from Daniel Aaron Dilger of AppleInsider.com and Rob Pegarero, a tech columnist. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Rick Broida, and he joins us on the Tech Night Owl Live to talk about something I don't think Microsoft would like to hear, and you'll find out why. But he's also known as the cheapskate over at CNET. So he does a regular blog there about ways you can save money. He's also author of a new ebook called The Cheapskate Rules 21 Easy Money Saving Tech Secrets. So let me ask you before we get started with why you're quitting Microsoft Office forever. How did you become the cheapskate? <laughs> That's a good question. I get that a lot. Uh, you know, it's really always been a little bit of a, of a sixth sense, just always kind of had an, an eye towards bargain shopping, and especially with, with a tech focus, because I've been a technology writer for a long time. CNET had kind of hatched this idea for uh, doing a money-saving blog for people shopping for tech. You know, there's always great deals out there, but people don't generally know where to look. So we kind of came with the, up with the idea of doing a daily post on me scouring the web for what is really kind of the great deal of the day and then uh, writing about it a little, a little bit. It really kind of struck a chord. It's been very popular, very well received, kind of a, a fun way to capture the deal of the day. But let's talk about Microsoft Office. Background here. I assume, as with most writers, Office has been your mainstay in delivering manuscripts. Uh, it has. I've been a, an office user for, you know, as long as I can remember. I've had a bit of a love-hate relationship with it. You know, as as a technology journalist, I'll, I'll just be right up front and say that, you know, Microsoft has over the years been kind enough to, from time to time, give me a license in order to review uh, the latest version of, of Office. So e- even for me, uh, it's not a huge out-of-pocket expense. But uh, recently, <laughs> things have happened, things have come up that have kind of caused me to, to question even if I want to use it, if it were available free to me, which it's obviously not for most people. Now, I understand, too, that when you get hardware from a company, unless it's very cheap, they expect you to send it back. But you can't send back the software. Once you install it, you keep it. We know how that exactly. works. Okay, so I'm in the same boat. So tell our listeners about your PC installation, then we can go into the problems. Sure, sure. Well, so I had, you know, I was running Microsoft Office uh, 2013. And, uh, you know, I'll, again, not going to any great lengths, but just using it, prime, you know, a little bit here and there. Uh, my biggest use for it was actually Outlook, which I have used as kind of my main email client for a number of years. And it's where I keep all my old messages and so forth. And so kind of rely on that pretty heavily. The Microsoft Suite, for those who don't know, comes with not only Word and Excel and PowerPoint, but uh, some other tools as well. So uh, Publisher and Access and a OneNote is kind of a newer Microsoft product that's part of Microsoft Office that is an information manager. Uh, It's a similar to Evernote, which a lot of people are familiar with. And OneNote is kind of Microsoft's version of that. And so basically what happened is I decided I was going to write a simple how-to guide for Microsoft OneNote. A week or two ago, Microsoft actually released um, 
OneNote for the Mac and also made it free, made a free version available for Windows users at the same time. So for now, people who might have shied away from OneNote thinking, well, I'm not going to buy Office just to get it, now they have a chance to try it and use it for free. So I figured I'll write a, a quick how-to guide for people who are just getting started with the tool. So I download OneNote and proceed to install it, and all of a sudden I see an error message. And I think, okay, whatever. And I try again to reinstall it, same exact error message. And as a busy guy, I'm like, well, I don't really have time to deal with this right now, so I'll come back to it later. So then I go to Outlook to check my email, and lo and behold, Outlook is gone. And I'm checking Windows menus and everywhere I can think, and all of my Office installation is gone. It is gone. In other words, and anything <laughs> that listed or proved the existence of Office on your PC was gone. Now, what operating system are you using? 8.1? Uh, using Windows 8. Uh, don't, I won't even... <laughs> Windows 8.1, I tried to install a while back and had all kinds of misery with it, and so I went back to Windows 8. That's a story for another day. All right, let's not get into that one because you're not atypical, obviously. No. <laughs> Suffice it to say, I've had, you know, there, there's been brewing issues with me and Microsoft and Windows and Office for, for a long time now. Okay, so all physical or at least visible evidence of the installation of Office disappears from your PC. Yes, a, a very strange outcome. And in fact, you know, I'm, I'm no novice user, um, so I venture into the control panel and I look to see is Office still listed among the installed programs. And sure enough, it is. So I click it and I try the repair option. The repair option gives me the same exact error as when I tried to install OneNote. Try this a couple times, no luck. Then I move on to, all right, well, I better uninstall office and reinstall it because obviously I've kind of hit a wall here. This is after doing some Google searching for the error code and trying to, you know, everything I can think of to, to fix this. I can't even uninstall office at this point. That's how hosed up this has gotten. And by now I've wasted a good chunk of my afternoon. I'm, you know, frustrated as any user would be. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is enough is enough already. You know, why am I, <laughs> why am I dealing with this kind of hassle? In this day and age, it's, you know, Microsoft Office has been around for, I don't know, 20 years, and still something as simple as installing one little Microsoft product completely hosed another Microsoft product, and I just kind of reached my tipping point. So what did you do next? You can't uninstall Office, or could you? Well, eventually I was able to find Microsoft offers uh, these little tools online called Fixits. And I was able to find a fix-it that is designed to kind of strong-arm the, <laughs> the removal of Microsoft Office. And so I tried that, and that did the trick. And even though, as I said, I'm fairly vested in Microsoft Outlook for email management and so forth, I just I didn't want to go back to using the suite. I was so fed up and frustrated and annoyed by that point that I just said, forget it. And that's kind of where that post came from. It was definitely a heat of the moment kind of thing, but I have not gone back to Microsoft Office since then. So you were put in the situation there where I suppose you could have tried to reinstall Office, but there would be the obvious fear, oh, it's going to happen all over again. Everything's going to get messed up and maybe the rest of my system will be hosed. Well, I don't know that I was fearful necessarily of that happening. I was more 
annoyed with having to deal with this. And certainly I thought, yeah, I, I don't need to be dealing with these kinds of problems now or in the future. And it just seems like it doesn't matter what I've tried to install recently, whether it was Windows 8.1, whether it was OneNote, it just seems like it messes up everything else, you know, my entire system. And I, this is a, this is a new machine. It's barely a year old. And I, I just, like anybody else, I just want to get my work done. You know, I don't want to spend my time dealing with these ridiculous issues when I, I've done nothing more, <laughs> more intensive than just trying to install a simple program. Microsoft program at that for that matter. That's right. As an academic exercise, have you thought, well, you know, if I had maybe a day or two to spend, I'd rebuild my entire PC system from scratch, you know, reinstall all my apps, bring back my documents, and see if a fresh install would fix the problem or it's just not worth considering? Oh, my goodness. I would, not, I would never go. I, I've done that before more than enough times, uh, and I would never go to those kind of lengths just for something, as, something like this. And, and really the, the tangent to all this is that it's not necessary anymore because, uh, you know, Microsoft Office is an expensive product. And it's overkill for what I need and, and really for what I think a lot of people need. And that's why, uh, as I had written about last week, um, I've made a switch to a free office competitor, a uh, free uh, office suite. A little bit later, we'll be talking to Rob Pegarero about what Microsoft announced this week for the iPad. Rick Breuder, the cheapskate from CNET, joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. <laughs> Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. 
great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338. And talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins, and herbs. utopiasilver.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Here on the Tech Night Out Live, Rick Broida. He's a tech columnist. He writes the Cheapskate column for CNET. And in a fit of pique, because Microsoft just did it to him, you know, just really made him frustrated, he found a way to delete a hosed installation of Office 2013 and has gone with a free alternative. I'm going to ask you more about that in a moment, but tell us about the free alternative. And we're talking right now about Windows. Obviously, there are alternatives to Microsoft Office on the Mac, which I'll mention in a moment, but let's look at this. So what did you pick and why would you explain that in more detail? Well, for anybody who's kind of gone shopping a little bit for, you know, inexpensive or free alternatives to Office, you know that there are a number of options out there. Uh, OpenOffice is probably one of the better known. There's a suite called LibreOffice, which is growing in popularity. But there's one that came onto my radar last year from a company called Kingsoft, and they are based out of China, and they have a product called Kingsoft Office 2013 Free. It is basically kind of a three-pronged office suite, like a lot of them are, where you get word processing, spreadsheets, and presentations. And what I really like about Kingsoft is the interface. And I'll just be (laughs) blunt, honest, and say it looks 
very much like Microsoft Office. You can choose between like a ribbon style interface, like on the newer versions of Office, or the older style kind of drop down menu icon interface. So you actually get your choice. It's just a great tool. It, it's free. It's fast. It gives me everything I need and, and then some. Uh, it may not have every tool that everybody needs, but for someone like myself, it has not given me one hiccup, one problem to speak of. Okay. What about Outlook email? I gather you need Outlook or did need Outlook for the various accounts you use. Right. So so this has been the bigger challenge for me. And I think for, for anyone who's actually been an Outlook user and is looking to kind of shift away from it, it, it there are very few uh, e- email clients out there that I would say are, are on par with Outlook in terms of features and just design and, and overall versatility. That being said, I'm a Gmail user. So I basically was using Outlook as the funnel to receive all you know email from my Gmail accounts. And so, of course, I have the option of just simply relying on Gmail in my web browser. I don't love that option because I really don't care for Gmail's interface. I think it's really clunky and and ugly and uh, not a fan. And I'm kind of old school because I like having an email client that lives on my PC and, and, you know, where I can store and organize uh, messages the way I want to. Short answer is I have... Uh, switched over to a product called EM Client, or maybe it's M, it's, it's spelled EM, uh, EM Client 6. There's a free version that is actually quite good, uh, but it limits you to two email accounts. If you need more than that, there's a pro version that unlimited email accounts and a couple other benefits as well, that's 50 bucks. So that's where I'm hanging my email hat for the moment. All right, so you found your solution. On the Mac side, of course, Apple has kind of already given it to you, which is by making the iWork app suite free when you buy a new Mac or if you buy a new iPhone or a new iPad. And if you have the immediate previous version, you get future updates free. So that's their way of confounding Microsoft. But you're not the only one out there who's had problems with Microsoft products. And if you look at the entire picture here, you must have received quite a bit of email from readers who share the problems you had. Yes, I did get quite an earful <laughs> after that post went up last week. And, you know, certainly my, my issue, I think, was a little unique because what, what probably happened is that because I already had Office installed, when I then went to install OneNote by downloading it uh, from the web, that's probably where some wires got crossed and things got a little messed up. I still think the outcome was ridiculous and should never have happened. But I think that's why probably most people who want to try OneNote will not end up with the same unfortunate result uh, that I did. That being said, the majority of people who responded uh, to my post said, you're absolutely right. I gave up on Office years ago, or there's no way I'm going to pay Microsoft $100 a year subscription rate to use Office. I think the general consensus out there, and again, this may just be me talking, but is that Microsoft has really kind of lost or, or failed to recognize what the market wants right now, which is some fairly simple tools at a reasonable price, and they're just not offering that. They're really kind of keeping this business mindset of home users need all the same tools that business users need, and they're willing to pay for it, and I just don't agree. That's the logic they use in selling the Surface tablets. It's better than all the other tablets, particularly the iPad, because you have Office on it. But obviously, customers don't care, or they perceive that Apple's tools are good enough which is the message in iWork. Have you used iWork, by the way? 
Uh, you know, I really have not. I'm a, although I'm an iPad owner and, and liker, um, I'm not really a Mac user at all, so I haven't spent a lot of time uh, with iWork. But needless to say, I mean, as you pointed out, it's, it's a free tool now and very capable for what most home users or students uh, might need. And where is the Microsoft equivalent to that? It's really, it's really not there. Now, after we did this interview with Rick, Microsoft, as predicted, released Office for the iPad, Now, the way it works is the basic Office apps, Word, Excel, and PowerPoint are free. Unless you want to create or edit documents, then you have to get a subscription to Office 365. Unfortunately, Microsoft is a little chintzy about giving journalists Office 365 licenses to fully test the software. So there it goes. By not producing this product earlier... And we can see politics there, which is we want to make this exclusive to the surface. And maybe that was the decision. Now it is they're putting a couple of billion dollars and leaving it on the table by not having this because there are probably enough iPad users who would like to have a genuine version of Office. I'll be very interested to see what its capabilities are, because if it emerges, I mean, if it's a $79 product, no one's going to buy it. And if it's a $20 product, okay, now we're, I guess, getting in the ballpark, but how can they then, how can they charge $20 for one version of their product and $129 for another? Um, I just, I'm, I can't wait to see what happens because uh, I, I guarantee that Microsoft will screw it up somehow. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be like Microsoft bashing, but I'm just, I've reached that point where I just kind of lost confidence in Of course, it's $99 for the home version, but that's $99 a year for the Office 365 license. Doesn't this tempt you at all to say, you know what, I'm just going to switch to a Mac? (laughs) You know, I get that all the time, Gene, and you have to remember you're talking to the cheapskate here. So buying a Mac for me means paying three to four times as much just for the hardware. I can't do it. I won't do it. What I am looking at very carefully is some sort of a tablet solution that could be my workstation, whether it's an iPad, whether it's an Android tablet. Think about the beauty of the tablet is that it's instant on, it's instant off. There's no booting. Apps are cheap or free in a lot of cases. You know, they're thin, they're light, they're certainly less expensive than any kind of higher-end laptop is going to be. A tablet is the where I want computing to go because that's that's the way to do it. I'll tell you what, we're going to do one more segment with CNET's cheapskate himself, Rick Breuda, telling you why he's upset with Microsoft. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Rick Breuder. He's the cheapskate from CNET, and he has been telling us in the past two segments why he gave up on Office 2013, starting when he wanted to download and install the free version of OneNote. So it was a free version for Windows, a free version for the Mac, and obviously Microsoft's trying to 
maybe get back into the good graces of Mac users. We'll have to see what happens. Let's look at the cheapskate activities here. And you've got a book out now called The Cheapskate Rules, 21 Easy Money-Saving Tech Secrets. Of course, we want you to buy the book. It's four ninety nine. It's an ebook from Amazon. But can maybe you throw out a bone here and give us maybe one or two of those hints? Sure. Well, I'd be glad to. So the book was kind of the culmination of years of writing the Cheapskate blog. And one day just kind of got the notion of why not collect some of the Cheapskate greatest hits, you know, some of the stuff that's a little bit more evergreen for uh, for shoppers of technology and throw in some good new stuff there as well. So I'll, you know, right up front mention that uh, finding a cheap or free alternative to Microsoft Office is definitely one of those tips. Um, this is not the first time that I've uh, suggested that people might be able to uh, to do better. And again, that Kingsoft Office suite that I mentioned, that's a freebie and, and a really nice alternative. Another great tip that I love to share with people is using a cashback service. Cashback service works very much like a Discover card um, and, and other credit cards in that, you know, giving you back a percentage of stuff that you buy online. It's almost kind of like a sounds too good to be true uh, type of thing, but it isn't. And so I'll give you an example of, of a couple of the services out there and, and how they work. Um, there's one called Ebates and another called Top Cashback. And you can, of course, just find those easily by Googling or binging or what have you. What happens is, say you're in the market for a new laptop. Okay, so you've already kind of picked out the one you're going to get, and maybe it's from HP. So instead of going directly to HP's site and ordering this laptop, what you're going to do is go to the Ebates site. You're going to search for HP, and you might see that they're giving back uh, 3% or 5% or whatever it is. It kind of varies uh, depending on various factors. But then you simply click through from Ebates to HP. You buy your laptop like you normally would. If you have a discount code, you use that like you normally would, and boom, you're done. And then what happens is that Ebates will give you back 3% or 5% or whatever the amount is of that purchase, and that's the end of it. You know, There's nothing you have to sign up for. You don't have to provide a credit card number. You don't have to register in any meaningful way. It's just cash back that you wouldn't otherwise have gotten. Let me ask you I'm, quickly here. How do they monetize this? Do they get a kickback from the manufacturer for bringing them more business? You know what? I honestly don't know what the model is. I know that there's a lot of cashback sites uh, out there, uh, kind of a growing number these days. So I'm guessing, yes, that there must be some sort of a referral type of thing where by driving traffic to an HP or a Staples or whatever it is that they're getting some sort, something in return. But I don't really know how it works, and I don't care because, <laughs> like I said, it's, it's cashback that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And the payout typically comes um, every 90 days or so. So it's like your 90 days worth of shopping goes by. You might get back 5, 10, 20, 50 bucks that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And I just, I really can't recommend these services highly enough. I'm, I'm always surprised how few people know about them and how few people use them. I'll throw one. I don't know if you've mentioned this. If you have the PayPal debit MasterCard, you have a PayPal account, you like to use it for making purchases. If you have the PayPal debit MasterCard, they will give you cash back every month. I don't know right. what percentage. It's probably very small, but it's cash back. You know what? It all it all adds up. And, uh, you know, that's actually a great, it's great that you mentioned that because if you use that card or any other kind of cash back credit card, it's almost like you're double dipping. So you get the cash back from 
uh, Ebates or, or one of the other services. Plus, you get your cash back from your credit card. And if you throw in a coupon code that you're able to find online, you're triple dipping. It's uh, really, you know, you can really save some money. Let me ask you about this one piece you did just a few days ago. Amazon Prime, still a good deal at $99. A lot of us for the past five, six years, whatever, have been members of Amazon Prime at $79 a year. And you look at it this way. If you buy a lot of stuff from Amazon, many of those items you get free two-day shipping, which is Prime. And obviously, you can order some pretty big stuff and still benefit from the free two-day shipping. So it's pretty good. But now that the price is going up, is it still worth it? Uh, short answer for me, definitely. Uh, you know, it's a $20 increase, which, um, you know, is 25%, but uh, I still think it's a steal. And especially if you do a lot of shopping, I mean, you said yourself, you know, let's say you're, you're buying a new TV or something, some major purchase that, that could cost you a hundred bucks to ship. And if you're getting it shipped via prime for, for free and not only for free, but via two day air, you know, you're practically covering your entire year's worth of subscription costs right there. But even beyond that, um, it kind of, for me at least, kind of changes the way I shop because if I'm, you know, previously to get uh, free shipping, you had to buy at least 25 and actually now it's $35 worth of stuff from Amazon. Now with Amazon Prime, I mean, just about anything you buy, no matter how inexpensive it is, boom, two-day shipping. And so you don't have to really add extra stuff to your cart. You don't have to really plan as much. It's just like, oh, if I need that $3 cable, well, I'm going to buy that $3 cable and have it shipped here today. And it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's almost become absurd. My wife will want to buy, say, a body wash from the local supermarket. They're out of stock. So she goes to Amazon and the price is probably the same, except of course, for the sales tax issue, probably the same right. price, but then they ship it prime and we get it delivered to us in two days. We don't have to go out. It makes you very lazy. But yeah. you know, it's even more interesting here because we live near Phoenix. If the Amazon shipping center is in the Phoenix area, it's not two days, it's one day. Yeah. Isn't that cool? And that yes, happens absolutely. maybe 30% of the time that we order from Amazon Prime. Now, of course, understand here, Amazon is also experimenting with a grocery delivery service in a couple of states. It's not 79 or $99. It's a lot more. But even that could be cheap. It'll be interesting to see. I, I kind of, I mean, you know, lots of companies over the years have tried grocery delivery, and I'm just not sure that that's, I'm not sure that'll ever catch on. But I think uh, we'll have to, if, if anybody can make it happen, I guess it's probably Amazon, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Interesting about that. A colleague of ours, Kirk McElhern, who writes for Macworld, he lives in near, actually, Stratford-on-Avon in the U.K., and he says there are a lot of the grocery stores do have delivery to your home. They have a site where you go online, you pick out the items you want, they deliver it, and if you buy a minimum amount, which is like, I don't know, 50 or 70 pounds, which may be 100 or $125, a full week's groceries, for example, they'll deliver it free. So you kind of wonder why it hasn't caught on here. Well, I think it's a function of geography. Uh, you know, the UK is a tiny country compared to the US, and I just think it's logistically probably a lot easier to do that in smaller towns and smaller cities and communities. That's my take, but we'll see. We'll see. It could happen. You never know. They, maybe they'll get their drone thing up and running, and they'll have drones delivering groceries to you. 
Right. And so the drone flies into my dog. I just really can wait for this. <laughs> I'm very anxious for Amazon's drones. Yeah. And believe me, my life will depend on that. I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. So anyway, before we let you go, give us a little 30-second promo for your ebook, The Cheapskate Rules. Uh, yes, the cheapskate rules, uh, money-saving tech secrets. Uh, you know, as I just mentioned about uh, cashback services, that's one. Um, I think the book will pay for itself in, in no time flat. It's five bucks. You can get it for, for Kindle, also available for Nook, also available even in print form if you like uh, old school. And uh, it will pay for itself. That's, that's a guarantee. All right. Once again, the book is entitled The Cheapskate Rules, 21 Easy Money-Saving Tech Secrets. So if you're like me or anyone who wants to save money and not spend money and find sometimes out-of-the-way methods to do it, this is the way to go. Rick Breuder, glad to meet you. Thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. It was my pleasure. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com we all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. It's time for a home security quiz. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $30? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. 
Fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. To get your fake TV for only $29.95 with free shipping, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Hi, I'm Dr. Lorraine Hurley, and for over a decade, I've helped people maintain optimal health. I'd like to tell you about my choice of a powerful anti-aging antioxidant formula that also helps reduce damage caused by radiation. Z-Radical contains fucoidin, and there are over 700 studies showing how powerful it is. Z-Radical is a totally organic, pure extract, and it is available by calling 855-315-8326. Again, it's 855-315-8326, or visit my website, drhurley.net. Iodine is necessary, but Z-Radical is so much more. Hi, I'm Dr. Lorraine Hurley, here to tell you about an amazing pain relief formula. Unlike Tylenol, Advil, or Ibuprofen, Lavinity Pain Relief Formula is completely non-toxic and actually stimulates healing. Lavinity Pain Relief comes in a gel or capsule, and in my years of helping people, I've never seen anything like it. After rubbing a small amount on an aching muscle or a sore joint, many people report the pain is gone within a minute. Call 855-315-8326. That's 855-315-8326. Or visit drhurley.net for more information. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And periodically, he writes an editorial for Apple Insider, where he brings up something that people should be spending more time discussing or correcting some misinformation. So, Daniel, welcome back to the show. Let's start with this myth out there. The myth is that the iPhone 5C is a serious level failure. But what's the truth? Well, Apple released the, the 5C and the 5S together. So there's a lot of scrutiny trying to figure out where exactly Apple was selling its phones. And Apple doesn't break down the sales of each device. But it became clear from the start that people were more interested in the 5S. And there's, it's different in different countries. In, in the U.S., the 5S is more successful. In, in China, it seems to be selling only a tenth of, of the phones Apple's selling. It's hard to tell exactly from, from looking at it. It's, it's usually like web stats and, and seeing how many are in, in the wild. But overall, I started looking into these numbers and what it really indicates is that while the 5S is certainly more uh, successful than the 5C, the 5C has been a very successful model. In fact, it's one of the most successful smartphones that's ever been sold ever in the world, across the world. It outsold all of BlackBerry phones, which you know, at this point is getting less impressive. It outsold all of Nokia's phones, all of Nokia's smartphone sales combined. And by extension, all of... Microsoft's Windows Phone. It also sold outsold every Android flagship phone, every model of Android phone, and that includes Samsung's Galaxy S4, which is you know considered a successful phone. It's Samsung is the second biggest smartphone maker in the world. That is their primary phone, and in the quarter that that five C went on sale, it outsold Samsung's most successful model. 
So to refer to the 5C as being a flop is just completely ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Let me go back quickly here. Since Apple doesn't break down sales of different iPhone models, how do you come up with the figures of the 5S versus the 5C? Well, analysts have a number of ways of looking at data. Um, I mean, they have access to data that isn't necessarily public. Part of that comes from proprietary data, some of which they release, some of which is not publicly released ever. But um, some of this information we get from analysts. And after I wrote the article, I mean, I, I looked at a number of different sources uh, estimating how many were sold. And it's not really controversial. It's not like I found data that nobody else had. But what I was looking at is just the opposite of what people were saying. So, you know, there's a number of people who like to just harp on everything that they find a problem with Apple. But if you look at what they're saying, I mean, even the most devoted critics of Apple, what they're saying is that the 5S sold much better than the 5C. And they're turning that around to say, oh, the 5C must be a terrible failure. It must not be near, nearly as much as what Apple wanted to sell. That's just a really ridiculous thing to say. Because if, if the only thing the 5C did was direct attention toward the 5S, just because it was a better product, then it's, a, then it's a, a wild success, even if it didn't sell any phones at all. If that was the only thing. Now remember, the 5C and the 5S weren't, um, the 5S isn't, neither one were completely new products. They're both basically new versions of the 5. The 5S was a significant jump. It had the 64-bit chip. It had Touch ID. had some other uh, enhancements. Uh, you know, significantly better camera. So um, the 5S was a incremental jump over the 5, the same way that the 4S was an incremental jump over the iPhone 4 in 2011. The 5C was sort of a um, revamped version of the 5 that was very similar to the 5. This is the phone that Apple sold last year from the end of 2012 through most of 2013. So neither one are, are completely you know, new models, but they're revamped... Um, if you'd say, you know, the TikTok cadence of come out with a new phone and then there's a half jump where it it's, stays the same, has a basic overall uh, same form factor, but improvements in the, in the phone. So really what the 5C was, wasn't a completely new phone. It was last year's phone, but differentiated. Because if they had not come out with the 5C, if they hadn't come out with a, a phone with the new design of the plastic back, Apple would have been selling the 5S and the 5. And they would have looked virtually identical except for a silver, gold, whatever ring around the Touch ID on the new S that's lacking on the 5. Other than that, it would have looked identical. I kind of think here that if Apple had gone that route, it might have caused some product confusion because they look the same and this one has Touch ID and this one doesn't and customers don't always pay that close attention. But there is one statement that Tim Cook made at the quarterly conference call where a lot of this meme of the failure of the iPhone 5C was fed because he said the mix was different. The product mix was different than they anticipated favoring the iPhone 5S. So Apple expected to sell more of the cheaper model. Yes, and we don't know exactly why everything happens, but there are some reasonable explanations we can look at for what, what to expect. For, you know, throughout 2013, we kept hearing that the smartphone market was customers didn't want to pay for high-end phones anymore, and the growth was going to come from cheap phones. So all the analysts were telling Apple that Apple, saying Apple had to make this cheap phone, and they were disappointed when the 5C came out, and it wasn't really a cheap phone. 
by cheap, they're talking about things that are under $300. And the, the average price of a Windows phone or, a, or an Android phone, the average selling price of all phones that are sold on, on those platforms are right around $200. So that's, that's what you'd say a cheap phone would be is okay. in that ballpark. And Apple's selling a phone that's twice as, as expensive as that. So okay, let's just bear in mind here. Let's bear in mind here. $200 means the full sale price, no yeah. subsidies. That's yeah, the price. So, so the 5C is really a, a $550 phone in that category. With a subsidy, it appears to be $200. So that, that's why the 5C works. It's more popular in countries like the United States that have upfront subsidies. And we know that it's less popular in other countries that don't have subsidies where, people, where customers see the full value or the full cost. So from that aspect, um, the 5C was not a cheap phone across the board. I mean, we know that. But Apple was no doubt aware of what everybody was saying, what analysts were saying about what was going to sell. And so it would appear that Apple came out with a very high-end phone with a 5S. It was the first phone. It's still the only phone that's being sold with a 64-bit chip. It has Touch ID, which a year later, even Samsung hasn't been able to copy. So the, the 5S is a, a, a very high-end device. And it's possible that Apple, I mean, we know that Apple didn't expect to sell as many as they did because they came out and said that. In fact, they expected to produce and sell more of the, the, the 5C. And they were working to make it more attractive as a model, I think. I mean, that's my opinion, that part of the reason for going with plastic and colors and was to broaden its appeal. And that's how they advertised it. They advertised it as being this fun, colorful experience with the ad where the, you know, all these colorful people are talking on colorful phones. So I think Apple was really expecting to go down market. And they were bracing for a market where there were fewer people that were going to pay for the latest, most expensive thing Apple had. And that's what Apple didn't, didn't estimate correctly because there were the majority of its customers did want the, the latest, best thing that Apple could bring to market. And so there was some uh, constrained supply of the 5S when it came out. But to spin that as a problem is quite ridiculous. If the opposite had happened, if Apple had sold tons of 5Cs and, and not very many 5S, that would have been a more significant problem because they would have been pulling in less revenue. And the average selling price of the iPhone would be down. So in this particular case, that customers favored the iPhone 5S in larger numbers is good for Apple's bottom line. Oh, of course. I mean, obviously every company wants to sell the highest end whatever. If you think about a car company, a car company is not going to be upset that its customers want fancy options, you know, with extra trim and more horsepower and whatever. And you know, that's a good example of what the 5S is, is basically customers are coming in saying, I want the best phone that Apple sells. And that's a problem everybody would love to have. Samsung would love to have that. Samsung only sells about a third of their phones are on the level of an iPhone. And by that, I mean in the area of $400 and up premium phones. The majority of the phones that Samsung sells, the majority of the smartphones with quotes around smartphone are junk. I mean, they're, they're, they're devices that are fall below the average of $200. Reminds me of this it. Motorola model, which I think was $179. But look what happened to Motorola. The thing was obviously a money loser, and the company was a money loser, and now they're hoping that Lenovo can resurrect it, but that's just a hope. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, who says the iPhone 5C was a success. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People Grow Cotton, Weave Fabric, Engrave Ink, Embed Strips and Fibers to Protect from Counterfeit, and Carding to a Private Bank, Having It Lent Back at Interest, Forcing Taxes to Service Debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. And he maintains, and he wrote this in an editorial for Apple Insider, that the iPhone 5C was a success. Maybe it didn't sell quite as many units as Apple originally anticipated, but that ends up being a good thing. Okay, so if we look to this fall, now the iPhone 5C replacing the iPhone 5, that would be the free phone with a contract this fall, assuming Apple doesn't discontinue it, right? Well, it's kind of hard to predict what Apple does because... You know, once you get a, a pattern of what you think they're going to do, they do something slightly different. That's partly what the 5C was. I mean, people didn't expect that coming. They thought Apple was going to make a cheap phone. Instead, they made a phone that, one that appealed to iPhone users, the 5S. So that was mainly upgrades. I mean, the majority, if you listen to the, the data that analysts are pointing out, the majority of the people buying the 5S, a large number of those were iPhone users who were upgrading to the latest thing Apple had. The 5C half of those sales were to Android customers. And if you look at what the, the 5C did in terms of sales, in particular in the U.S. where we have the most market data, it immediately took all the, all the number two and number three phones that were all Android models, you know, Sony models. I think there were some Motorola numbers in the, in the top three on all the different carriers. They all were not on the top three anymore. 
they were all pushed down below out of the top three. And so, I mean, really the 5C accomplished what it was supposed to do, which was to compete with Android phones for attention. And it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard to say um, we can't, <laughs> it's like Tim Cook likes to say, we can't run the experiment twice. We can't tell what would be different if Apple came out with a cheaper iPhone or if other companies had come out with more attractive phones. But it appears that, um, it's, it's not that it appears that. We know. We know Apple won this year. We know Apple won in 2013. They sold the most phones. They made by far the most money. So if you think about it like a football game play where both teams have to come up with a strategy and then after they decide on their strategy or what their possible strategies are going to be, they come and, you know, play. One of them wins and one of them doesn't. And you can go back and retroactively say, oh, I don't think this play, I didn't like this play. Well, if they, if they won the game, they still won the game. So it's kind of, it's just ridiculous on any level to talk about the 5C as being this flop and a failure and all this stuff. And it really goes to illustrate how backwards and flawed tech reporting is. Especially this blog reporting that, I mean, a major culprit in this, well, it was started with the Wall Street Journal publishing rumors that they sort of backtracked on. I mean, I reported on that in detail. They changed the story well, after they printed it. And that was picked up by bloggers, particularly Boy Genius. A number of the writers have, have just taken to calling the 5C a flop every time they say it, but they're not even supporting any data with it. They're looking at partial, you know, little bits of data that say that, you know, basically say that the 5C was less successful than the 5. Well, of course it was. The 5 was a flagship last year, and the 5C is like sort of the supporting role this year. Nobody was expecting the 5C to, out, to outsell the, the 5. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So to position that as being like, oh, this is what our expectations were, it's just, it's complete nonsense. And yet they keep repeating that to the point where people believe it. And even after I outlined what the facts are, there's still people that, it takes a long time for people to let go of this false fact that's been beaten into them over the last year. That's just, it's a lie. It's just garbage. And it's just really strange to see that happening. It's it's the bias against Apple is really, really nutty. There's a lot of legitimate things to complain about Apple. I mean, you can complain about a variety of things. You can say you want features that aren't in iOS 7, whatever. But the things that are being complained about are just completely illegitimate. And the, the, the standard that Apple is held to, Apple is compared to uh, imagined perfection, where everyone else in the in the phone company, in the in the mobile company, and the whole computer industry, is sort of compared to, um, you know, they're patted on the back for for not going out of business. So it's it's really strange how things are reported in the tech industry. It's not like that in any other industry that I've ever heard of. It's, you know, if you look at cars or any other sort of electronics, the the leading company is not berated for not having done even more spectacular things compared to nobody else in the world. I mean, it just doesn't even make sense the way Apple's reported on. Well, you know, let's put it this way, though. The top-selling car is Toyota. And the car magazines, the enthusiast magazines, always ding Toyotas. They always talk about the fact that, well, it doesn't handle as well as a Honda or a Ford Fusion or something. So, but that's sort of a legitimate criticism. If they said Toyota should have sold, you know, we thought Toyota would have sold, you know, 50 billion f- cars. And it's like, well, if that doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. That's not a legitimate criticism. If you say that they didn't sell as many as, you know, another car maker, that starts to make sense. 
But comparing one leading company with what you think they should do, devoid of reality, and then comparing everyone else to, you know, a completely different standard, that, that's just, it's just not sensible. You know, it's this comparing apples and oranges thing that it, it's just bizarre how, it, how the media keeps repeating these same ideas. And part of it is that there's some of these bloggers that are just syndicated by, um, you know, I really blame, I really blame Google because Google has created a business model for supporting the web that relies entirely upon really low volume, really low quality advertising. It used to be when we had newspapers and, you know, newspapers have always been kind of flawed in reporting, but at least, um, they weren't supported by a business model that encourages them to put low quality rumors and garbage on the web as, as quickly and as um, without any sort of editing as possible. And that's what we have. That's because of the web. We just do not have good reporting anymore because everything is sort of sensationalized and just moving at light speed and who cares about details and facts and reality. Let's just get stuff up and have people respond to it, and then we can print a retraction tomorrow, and then we can print another retraction tomorrow. It's just, it is, journalism is just garbage today. We've also incentivized the prospect of getting more hits and getting better placement on exactly. Google. So you will alter the text of an article because you think it's hit bait. You will write things in a certain way with certain terms because you believe, and it may not be true, that Google will give you a higher placement on a search page. So and you're writing for Google's benefit, not for the benefit of the public. But the other thing is, as you say, they'll write an article that is incorrect and correct it the next day. But that isn't always true. A lot of these myths about Apple persist day after day. You and I and Jim Dalrymple and McAlope, we could all correct this stuff till the cows come home and it doesn't matter to these people because they have their minds made up. Yeah, a lot of it boils down. To, I mean, journalism is supposed to be about giving people information they need to know. And, you know, today this web journalism has turned into kind of telling people what they want to hear. Or, you know, just creating kind of sensational, surprising facts that, you know, aren't really rooted in reality. But they're fun to read so that people will click on them and that will generate this web traffic that Google monetizes. So I think that business model is pretty critical to cheapening and devaluing the, the journalism that we have available to us. And what happens with the mainstream press, so-called, is they add blogs. They put them all up in WordPress. They add these blogs. They bring on bloggers because they feel that makes them relevant because they are embracing the digital world. Yeah, and just like the general kind of tech community is loves that this kind of fast pace but the the reality is that you're getting a lot less quality it's like fast food you know you, you have this sort of convenience and and rapidness and how fast your food is coming to you but the quality is so worthless and it's has, having a result in the fact that you know we're not healthy <laughs> in, the, in the way that we eat because we're trying to eat too fast and it's the same thing with with journalism if we're just trying to create stuff to fill pages to get people to run and click on it, the content or the value of what you're creating and the, the information that you're generating is not going to be as informative. We have Daniel Aaron Delger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. 
I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources, Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at one 800 686 2237 Three seven extent to one thirty. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 
100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Here on the Tech Night Out Live, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. Now, one of the current Apple issues is not something Apple did. It's something about Apple. It's this new book from a former Wall Street Journal reporter called Haunted Empire. All right? It might be better called Haunted Logic, but that's another point of view. But, okay. But Haunted Empire... And the subtitle is Apple After Steve Jobs. And the title implies that the Apple empire is in trouble. And now let me show you the ways. And it's interesting, though, if you look at the comments on Amazon, you can't always take them seriously. Most of the reviews are one star. And largely because this book takes a piece of information designed only to prove the author's point of view, not to look at contrary things, I didn't read the book I heard. There was even a suggestion that Apple needs to license the operating system, which is, what, 20 years old? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the author's work in general, it's not really incisive. It really comes from, here's what I want to write, and so I'm going to look for facts to support it. And if, you, if you've ever been interviewed by a journalist of that kind of style, they want you to say things that support what they're wanting to write, which is not really journalism. What you're supposed to do is interview people and get a sense of what's actually happening and put that, you know, orchestrate a, a variety of sources together so that you have multiple views on things, so that you're creating an accurate portrayal of what's happening. And that's clearly not what this book was designed to do. This book was designed to, like, find evidence to support this belief that Apple was going to tank now that Steve Jobs is not there, which is not even, a, that's not even a novel idea. That's been hounded about forever in fact remember back in the, you know back when steve was still alive there was this constant fear-mongering of as soon as he dies the stock is going to tank in half and the company's going to like fall off its rudder and everyone's just going to go fleeing to work at microsoft or something like that and none of that happened and the more you know about apple if you really are aware of what's happening if you really talk to people who work there and or have worked there if you really get a sense of what they're doing, the overwhelming nature of Apple is competence. Now, not everything they do is competent. Not everything they do appears to be competent. But what Apple is striving to do is not take over market share. It's not to control the world's information or anything like that. It's working really hard to build products that people will want, products that are valuable. And the end result of that is, is success in the end. And if you look at everything that Steve Jobs has ever said, and I've been following his stuff since I was a little kid, if you look at the things he said in the early 80s, and the things he said throughout the 90s when he, he went back, you know, he, went, he was at Next for, for all those years, 
came back to Apple and when Apple was struggling and you know in a lot in, in real um, operational failure, and how long it took Apple to turn around and rebuild and then you know caught this sort of critical mass of of motion that's just allowing it to do incredible things. Apple is really a product of Jobs. And at the same time, Apple has changed since Jobs passed in certain ways. Jobs had some um, some kind of, you know, in his personality and just sort of his opinion on things that I think Apple has relaxed a little bit. Tim Cook is obviously a very different person, but Apple as a company is pushing ahead what Jobs realized in terms of how to make a company work and how to succeed in, in long term. Not looking to do something in the short term, not looking to see how if we can blow out enough smartphones to create the, you know, get the number one spot this year, but to do all the right things so that you're building a legitimate business and that you're building customers that will want your product next year and five years from now. And so to say that, you know, you can't say that Apple hasn't changed since jobs passed. And at the same time, to suggest that the old Apple or, or, you know, the Apple that was successful in bringing out the iPhone and the iPad is no longer there is also ridiculous. And that's just basically what she's trying to say. And it's, it's not, it's not well-informed for somebody who's talked to a lot of people and has interviewed people to, to have that as your, the whole premise of a book just shows um, a lack of understanding, a, a lack of being able to look at, an, at a subject and be able to understand what's happening. I mean, it's kind of like the expected sort of um, thing to say, I guess. But just, just the fact that it's not even novel, it's not even an idea that hasn't been said before, to write a book about it, it it's just really disappointing that, that so much effort would go into something that's just stupid. Now, I should say this, looking at the sales picture at Amazon, this is a book that seems to have just modest sales. It's not one of these top 10 or top 100. Maybe it's 1,000, 2,000. And I've written books that are in that category, 1,000 or 2,000, amongst all the books, and it's not big sales. Yeah, I don't know a lot about the book market and, and how much people are buying books, or, or if she'd written a really good book, what it would what it would sell about Steve Jobs. But I mean, you know, Steve Jobs is, there's been other books about Steve Jobs that have sold, whether or not they're, you know, ideal or perfect or amazing or anything. But um, yeah, also the reviews of this book haven't been very good. But to me, it's just kind of disappointing that somebody would put so much effort because, you know, I've written, I haven't written a great book. I've written a, a technical manual, basically. And it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. So, you know, anybody who, who's finished a book, I recognize that's a lot of work. But to put that much effort into a book whose entire premise is that Apple's going to die because Steve Jobs isn't around just seems such a waste of effort to say something that's already been said over and over again when it, it's quite clear that that's not even true. Well, so, in this particular case, what's happened here is that this book appears to be the kind of volume where they picked the title and decided to write a book to fit that title. Yeah, and if you look at the, the articles that she wrote for the Wall Street Journal about Apple when she was working there, you know, that was her beat, was covering Apple. 
you look at the kind of articles that she wrote, it was kind of the same thing. It was my first article is going to be that Apple's failing in Japan. I mean, you know, the first one that I wrote about a critique of. Um, so she went out and found some data that she thought supported that. And that's kind of what helped kickstart Gizmodo coming in and writing this big article about how um, Apple is going to fail in Japan and how nobody in Japan liked the iPhone because it wasn't like the fancy phones they had. And that even went even further and having kind of a blogger take this premise and try to find more, de- more data to push behind it instead of really looking into what was happening. So it's another example of if you're in the big media, you have a responsibility because you're going to have people that are copying what you write and they're going to do even worse job. So and they're going to take go- you seriously, which yeah. can be a double-edged sword. Daniel Aaron Dilger joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Think alike. The network for the independent minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. It's hard to imagine when things are going reasonably well, just how quickly things can change. But what would it take? Economic collapse? Massive crop failure? chemical or biological attack, so many situations could find you in the grocery looking to pick up food for your family only to find that the shelves are empty. There's nothing. Don't let that happen. Act today to make sure that if it ever comes to that, you and your family will be provided for. Visit FreezeDryGuy.com to look at the wide variety of survival foods available. Freeze-dried foods from the Freeze-Dry Guy store longer, rehydrate faster, are nutritionally superior to, and taste better than any other long-term storage food available. Visit FreezeDryGuy.com or call toll-free 866-404-3663. FreezeDryGuy.com For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. 
GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Curious about what comes next? Next is the feeling of vulnerability you get after you arrive home to discover your house has been ransacked by burglars. Fool the bad guys with a new improved fake TV. You asked for it, we listened, and we made our new fake TV three times brighter than our previous model. The brightness of our new fake TV is equivalent to a 40-inch TV. It simulates the color and motion of a real TV while you're away from home. And when burglars think someone is home watching television, they're likely to pass your house and move on to an easier target. The new, brighter Fake TV is only $39.95 and includes free shipping. Go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider joins us. We're talking about that controversial book, and maybe that was the whole purpose of it, Haunted Empire, Apple after Steve Jobs, which was designed to make you believe that Apple is now a mess because Jobs is gone, the company is on its last legs, and all that sort of thing. Now, you were mentioning that the author had written articles claiming that the iPhone would not succeed in Japan, but it has succeeded in Japan. So what would she say about that? Yeah, Japan is one of Apple's strongest. I think from the numbers I've seen, I think Apple has better penetration in Japan than it does in, in even in the United States. I was in Japan the year before last in the summer, I think. And um, yeah, I was, it was, it's quite interesting to see how extensive iPhone is everywhere. And it's kind of, you know, the iPhone is kind of everywhere, even in Europe where there are parts of Europe, you know, like in the UK and even across Western Europe, where cheaper Android phones are have a lot of customers because the price of electronics is so expensive. Particularly, I don't know how much of it how much of it relates to imports and how much of it is just like general taxes. But to sell a, a premium device in Europe, it's it's much more expensive than in the United States, just because of all the the VAT and, and other taxes and duties and whatever. I suppose, but um, in Japan, the um, the num the percentage of iPhone 5 and 5S at launch, it was it was a huge percentage. And if you look at the top 10 numbers of kind of, I think it's BCN, those are kind of like Amazon, or, or it, it's like a major retailer in Japan. And eight of the top 10 phones were iPhones throughout like the launch quarter. So, I mean, Apple's doing very well in Japan. Japan is a country where people are really attracted to this kind of sophisticated technology. So they're willing to pay more. And it's interesting that Japan doesn't use 
subsidies, like like in the United States where you go and you buy a, a phone with a contract and it's two hundred dollars or ninety nine dollars or something like that. In Japan, you finance your phone, so you pay for a contract monthly, and then you pay. I, I think you put some money down, but then you pay so much every month. That's what T-Mobile is doing. Yeah, so it's it's very similar to that's how Japan has been selling phones. And you remember Japan really really started the phone revolution, the smartphone revolution. I remember 15 years ago, I had a friend visiting from Japan, um, and he was saying that, I was asking him what kind of computers people used, and he was saying, well, you know, young people don't use computers, they use fancy phones. You can access the network and you can play videos and whatever. And I had a hard time understanding how that could even be. And here, you know, that's today in America. The majority of young people don't even have computers anymore desktop computers hmm. not using mobile devices so so japan has been on the forefront of technology so for them to to embrace the iphone really tells you something about the real technology that apple has the, the lead that the apple has but it's it's convenient if you're telling a story to say that apple's not going to be successful in japan because um you know japan has these features on phones that the iphone doesn't have and that largely didn't matter. It was kind of like a retelling of, remember when the iPhone first came out and everybody said, you know, all these pundits and things were saying that it was a critical flaw for Apple that didn't have a physical keyboard. So it either had to have a keyboard on the side or had to slide out or something. And then, you know, that was BlackBerry's big thing, Palm's big thing, Windows Mobile, most of their phones didn't, you know, didn't even have a touchscreen. The Windows, Windows phone smartphone or Windows Mobile smartphone the actual definition of that was that it doesn't have a touchscreen, it has buttons. So it was very controversial when Apple introduced the iPhone. And yet today, nobody makes a phone. I mean, there's, there's very few models that even have a slide-out keyboard anymore. And none of them are predominantly a keyboard. None of them that are successful. They all look like the iPhone. You know, one of the engineers who worked on the iPhone has done an interview with the Wall Street Journal describing in fair detail the process of making the first iPhone. This is ahead, of course, of the latest trial involving Apple and Samsung. But you can see all the things that Apple did from this interview that are so different from anyone else. But let me just bring something to your attention. There are excerpts of this Haunted Empire book on Amazon, if you want to check a little bit of the text. And let me show you how she front loads a comment. So, you have a chapter called Manifesto, chapter 20, which I believe is the last chapter of the book. And it leads, on a cloudy morning on June 10th, 2013, Apple's faithful made their annual pilgrimage to San Francisco for the Worldwide Developers Conference. That's the quote. Now, she doesn't conceive here that developers go to San Francisco not because of an annual pilgrimage. They're paying a lot of money. They're going there because they're in business. They're selling apps for the App Store or for OS X, and they're coming there to discover new technologies to learn how to make a living, how to make a better app, how to sell more apps, how to improve their bottom line. That's not Apple faithful. It's business people who are going to a conference that is important for their business. Yeah, can you imagine anybody writing that about, you know, the Java One conference or the, you know, Salesforce or Google I.O. or anything like that? Nobody writes garbage like that. And looking back in history, can you imagine somebody writing contemptuously of, of Thomas Edison or any, any other, like, 
clear luminary of the day that was bringing out technology and selling it to people successfully, having somebody in the background harping about just kind of creating this illusion of failure, it's quite incredible to me. I, I think history will judge her stuff really severely. <laughs> if, if indeed history even like, even if she's just a footnote. And I, it just seems, it seems so, um, it's like disrespectful to come in and to see people that are working really hard and you're just trying to just say something the most kind of dismissive sort of arrogant way of poo-pooing somebody else's efforts. It, it sort of blows me away when I see that. I, I don't really get, it just seems like incredibly arrogant. Well, it's basically pursuing an agenda. This book has come out with the belief that Apple is a cult. Therefore, people who go to Apple events may must be part of this cult. They can't just be people who are going to a developer's conference for their business. They are able, by the way, to deduct that expense from their tax returns. So maybe she's suggesting that their tax returns are false? I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like such a bizarre way of approaching any subject. But Exactly. Really interesting. Anyway, that's the book Haunted Empire. And then we've got this piece from one of the feature writers at the Sunday Times in the UK. You are familiar with this article, right? Daniel? Um, tell, me, tell me again who it is. This is an article written by one of their feature writers, John Arledge. He wrote an article about Jonathan Ive. Yes. Okay. So this one here, it's the same sort of thing where... If you read the interview, and it was also reprinted in Time magazine, the author is going in there with front-loaded questions of Ive, who was too much of a gentleman to throw him out the door. He should have. You know, asking questions like about planned obsolescence, you know, about Apple building stuff that's going to be obsolete in a few years, or calling the operating system hermetically sealed, it's like the author fell in love with his own words. You read that article? Um, yes. You're um, pausing. Well, parts, parts of that, again, it's like we're kind of criticizing someone else's efforts to write in a way that is, I think part of it, part of that kind of critical sort of writing is an effort not to look too glowing or you know, when you interview somebody, you don't want to come across as that you're just throwing them softballs. Before we get into more of this, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider and Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. one 888 9121595 A little over a year ago I began to do a lot of research into why even though I had a pretty good sized meal that I was still starving and my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. No, 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 no. 
On the Tech Night Out Live, Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. We're talking about this interview with Sir Jonathan Ive in the Sunday Times of the UK. And the author of that article kind of front loads the questions, okay? He kind of front loads the questions. And I did a story about it where I call it Asking the Dumb Questions. And by the way, the author's name is John Arledge. And John Arledge, by the way, is an award-winning journalist. But when you read the article, you think he's in love with his own prose. You know, he's trying to... He probably is. He probably is. He's writing, I call them cutesy-poo phrases. Oh, look at this smart phrase that I came up with to describe something at Apple. Johnny Ive is too much of a gentleman to throw him out. He asks the questions, and Ive answers them very seriously. And in a way that anyone who wanted to get a sense of his position, you'd understand it. But it's more about kind of asking about the perceptions of Apple than getting more into Johnny Ive's design process. I mean, we've got this brilliant guy who has built in his own design studio some of the most famous tech gadgets of our time. He's been doing it for years. And if you get a chance to interview him, that's a gift. Take advantage of it. Learn something about this process. Don't just ask the stupid questions about Apple to reinforce one's belief. Well, I think two things. One is I think I'm also guilty of being in love with my own phrases. You know, if I come up with something clever, I think it's clever. So I can't criticize the man for that. But um, also, it, it kind of comes back to, I think, part of it is trying to, to come across as being fair, that you're being critical enough so that you don't sound like you're deciding with a person. But also, at the same time, there's a lot of really deeply impacted delusion. When I talk to journalists about what's going on and I ask them a question, they respond with things they really believe, the kinds of things that they say. When I've talked to people from Reuters or from USA Today, a lot of those people really believe that Apple is on, kind of like on death's door, just waiting to be passed up by, you know, the, the sum of everyone else in the world working collectively, which to me is just so ridiculous. It's like, but they really believe that. And so it really shines through everything that they say, that they say and the questions that they ask and how they report things. Because they really think that. It's such a deeply held belief. It's like when, you, when you're talking to somebody who has just like a really irrational belief in something, it, they can't just snap out of it. They have to be convinced over and over and over again until they can, you know, develop a new set of beliefs. But overall, I think there's so much, there's so much money behind saying things that aren't true that it's not really surprising that people have a distorted view of reality. Particularly, I mean, Apple makes tons of money. Samsung has, what, $14 billion that they spent on promotion? That's a lot of money going into saying things that aren't true. When you look into, I'm writing about the Samsung-Apple trial, and when you look at the way things are reported, and you look at the way some sources, including things that are supposed to be sort of unbiased and encyclopedic, like Wikipedia... The way that they report on Apple, or when I say they, the way individual writers are contributing things that they put on Wikipedia, it's so incredibly written that it's hard to tell if they're just completely delusional or 
if they're getting paid to put it out there because it's it's hard to it's hard to understand either way. It's like, are you really that delusional, or are you actually getting paid to do this? Or you know, it's not clear what the what the motive is. But I'm getting to the point where I'm not really surprised when people are just blankly look at me and, and recite ideas that have no factual basis whatsoever and are just obviously ridiculous on their face. I mean, it's just they're not possibly correct, but people really believe them. When you're asked these questions, Daniel, and you're being interviewed by a member of the press, and you correct the assumption in the question, does that penetrate at all? It takes a while for some ideas to penetrate. And if you really want to believe something and somebody presents you with facts that, that contradict what you think, it's kind of human nature to um, entrench and to be critical of that challenge of what you believe. That's just human nature. That's how we work. Um, so it's not too surprising that somebody would interview anybody at Apple and in the resulting work appear that they're trying to stuff ideas and like you're saying front loading it like setting up what they say with an interpretation so part you know part of it requires the audience to be critical and cognizant of the fact that when people report things it's not necessarily true i remember when i was a kid i was i used to think that everything that could possibly appear on television or in a newspaper must must clearly be true because who would present something that was a mistake i mean surely an editor would correct it but the, the more the more that i see you know, if you're observing an industry and you see people, the way people write about it and you're like, that's not true. <laughs> it's like, this is something I know and that's not true. Or if somebody interviews you and the, the, the way that they present what you say, um, it, it's really eye-opening to see how critical one must be of other people's reports. People are really critical of my reports, so I, I think <laughs> maybe they should just also be critical of other things on some level. You know, it's very interesting here to wonder who feeds these rumors, who feeds these false impressions. Is it, in part, Apple's competition that's feeding the fake stories? Well, certainly in part. And there, there's some areas where you can really see that, obviously. Um, I mean, one of the most glaring, obvious examples to me is whenever you read about the Samsung-Apple trial, it all comes down to people talking about little sound bites like, like the entire trial was nothing more than Apple suing over trying to own round corners. It's like, are you kidding me? Round corner. That's, that's what Apple was suing. That's the whole billion dollar lawsuit that Apple filed was about trying to own round corners on a device. I mean, that's just such a stupid idea, just stupid on its face. And if you even paid any attention at all to the trial, you know that that was pure garbage yet at every opportunity, Samsung people, would throw out that little barb. Everything they said about the trial was blah, blah. Apple shouldn't just be suing us about round corners. So, yes, I mean, Samsung is very clearly, and, you know, that's kind of a tactic of everybody in every situation is they try to pick little memorable sound bites to drop in people's ear. That's how propaganda works. You just simplify details down to, like, really simple things. It's much easier to simple to swallow, you know, a big lie than, than a series of non-factual things. But... Even today, you know, you write about something about patents and people are like, oh, yeah, Apple round corners. So, yeah, there's clearly examples where there is money or competitive efforts to entrench false information. 
But the problem here is that Apple is not entrenching false information about the competition. I mean, they'll say things that have a marketing slant to it, but that's not the same as feeding lots of false information about Samsung. They don't have a big marketing budget where they do things like that. But Apple isn't in a position where they need to do that because they're not sitting there without ideas trying to copy other people and trying to outrun lawsuits just on a continual basis. It's like when two animals fight, you know, if, if there's like, like a little tiny animal and a big animal, the big animal is just like stands there growling, but the little animal freaks out and makes a big distraction, you know. That's, that's all they can do because they, they can't fight directly. So, I mean, a lot of the things, if you look at, you know, particularly the Apple-Samsung trial I'm talking about, but also in other areas, just in general in the smartphone industry, the kind of response that Apple's competitors have is very different than what Apple has because Apple isn't in a position where it needs to try to defend its little minority position because Apple has the, the lion's share of value in the market. They're pulling in almost all the money in, in computers, and then they did that in uh, consumer electronics, and then they did that in, with phones, and now they're doing it with tablets. What's shocking to me is when people look at Apple and they're saying, oh, well, Apple hasn't come up with a new iProduct yet. It's been, you know, the beginning of four years since Apple last unveiled the iPad. I was like, are you kidding me? How many new products has Microsoft ever released? How many new products has Google released that haven't just completely been abandoned, you know, within a year or two? It's just such a bizarre, such a bizarre difference in standards. Daniel Aaron Dilger, where can we find more of your stuff? Uh, I write for I write for Apple Insider most of the time, and I I have a blog, roughly drafted, which is all my old stuff that I reference because it's I was writing the same stuff about Microsoft back in the day when <laughs> it was controversial <laughs> that they're going to not do well. But um, yes, AppleInsider.com is where I write most of my stuff. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. From the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. If you own a business, you need customers, right? Well, your potential customers are listening to this radio program right now, and I can help you reach them. Hi, I'm Matt Brower, a national marketing executive at the radio network responsible for this program. I can help you customize a national radio campaign that fits your budget, large or small, while targeting your specific audience. Contact me to learn how radio advertising can make your business more profitable. M-B-R-O-W-E-R at GCNlive.com. That's M-Brower at GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. 
Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your main your credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Rob Pegarero, tech journalist who writes for USA Today and other venues. And we're going to start talking about a new product from Microsoft that has been rumored for several years. It's called Office for the iPad. Now, before I get to that, though, I'm going to ask Rob when he gets a chance and listens to the show. The first segment features Rick Broida. He's a cheapskate from CNET. You know him? I know of the name. I don't think I've ever met him, but, you know, I don't want to go, I don't want to swear to that under oath. <laughs> Besides, it's not polite to swear on a network radio right. show. But seriously speaking, he came on to explain why he threw Office, 2013 Office PC. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting story there. He tried to install the OneNote free release, and it uh, closed yes. his entire Office installation. Not good. All right. But that's a story for itself. Let's go to the iPad. So, correct me if I'm wrong, this has been rumored for a couple of years now. And the story has it that Steve Ballmer, while he was CEO of Microsoft, said no. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was funny, you know, once it finally came around, you know, I'm looking at it right now, and it, it's a nice piece of work. It's funny how little it looks like, you know, if you could almost say, given how clean the design of this is, this is sort of Microsoft's final act of making up for Office 6 for Mac. Well, that goes back a number of years. Tell our listeners what that's about, because you and I lived through that. Yeah, Office so 6 I'll, for the Mac was like, what, 1995 or thereabouts. And I'm, I'm going to have to sort of go back to the, the far recesses of my brain for this. But We're going to have years, some far was... recesses of brain music. <laughs> yes. So for years, there was Word 5.1 for Mac, and I used that all the time all throughout college. It was a great app, but it wasn't PowerPC native, right? And um, Office 6 was going to do that, or am I confusing two things? It was either going to be PowerPC native, or it was simply going to ensure that there were the same features for the Windows and Mac versions of Office. I the think it was PowerPC native. Okay, At so the same time, it was going to have the same features as Office for Windows. And they were using cross-platform development tools. And it also kind of had the, the interface of Office for Windows, which was certainly no prize back then. And so people looked at it and said, oh, my God, this is horrible. What have you done to this, this app I use all the time and for which there was no good replacement? Although WordPerfect for Mac did have a, a brief, uh, you know, a couple of years, if not in the sun, close, closer to it. Now, I understand here. This is a very political issue with Mac users that 
a Mac application has to look and feel like a Mac app. Exactly. And so Microsoft delivers this product, which looks and feels like a Windows app. And it was buggy and slow and all these other oh. things. Who was it? Was it Andy Anaco who wrote some column about it back at the time? Uh, Microsoft to Mac dropped dead. <laughs> there, there were a few rants written back then. You know what made it really interesting here is the fact that during the beta process, those of us who were writing books that included some coverage of Microsoft software got copies of the beta versions of Office 6. And I know most of us complained. It launches slow. It looks like a Windows app. It doesn't work very well. They didn't care. But eventually they did fix some of the slowness. Yeah. But anyway, so looking at Office for, and in this case, Word for Mac, there is no one Office app you download. It's Word, Power, Word PowerPoint, and Excel. Really nice, streamlined, condensed. You know, it doesn't, it's not trying to bring over the, the ribbon interface from the desktop version of Word. Uh, it doesn't, bring over every single feature, but people have tried it. My friend, Ed Bott, who's been covering Microsoft for, he's forgotten more things about the company than I'll ever know. Uh, he tried it, said, I haven't found any issues except for font compatibility when opening Office documents. So the ability to you know round trip your work from Office to iPad and back, that seems to be there pretty well. Pivot tables maybe was the other thing you couldn't do. And once I figure out what a pivot table is good for in Excel, then that'll be a problem for me. Okay, now let's talk about this here. I'm kind of concerned about Microsoft's marketing plan. So let's explain here. This is for the iPad. It works under iOS 7. You go to the App Store and you download the app. It's free. Yep. But it's what we call freemium. And the reason we call it that is you're getting a set of apps, three separate apps, Excel, PowerPoint, Word, that open normally, but you cannot create or edit documents you can only view them if you want to create or edit documents you have to buy if you don't already have one an office 365 cloud subscription now for the home user that's 9.99 a month or a hundred dollars a year which covers licenses for up to five macs and pcs plus one tablet and i suppose microsoft considers the tablet to be something that is an accessory device, because you're only allowed just one. But the thing I wonder about here, if you don't already have an Office 365 subscription, because you already own your copy of Word, like I do, you own your copy of Office, how is this set of apps for the iPad worth $100 a year? What were they thinking? I don't know. I mean, the pricing for that is kind of funny, because... You know, in one way, Office has gotten so much cheaper. If you use the the web versions of Office, which have been around for a few years now, they cost nothing. And uh, you know, they do have the nice feature in that they're they're still sort of available. There's much less of a barrier between online and desktop than there is with like Google Docs, where you have to export it as a uh, you know a Word or RTF document. Um, the the Office web apps that they, they save in the the regular file format. So when you open your SkyDrive, I mean OneDrive. <laughs> You see him exactly. It's the same thing. It's not some separate file you you sent down from the cloud. But then, yeah, Office three sixty five. It's a hundred bucks. So unless, yeah, I think you have to justify that cost by saying I'm going to have Office on every machine, every every computer I use, and yeah, now it's available to me on my tablet as well. 
that's not something I'd be willing to pay. And, you know, I'm not opposed to paying software. I'm about this close to paying for Evernote Premium. But of course, in that app, you get a lot more in the free tier than you do with Office. So, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to pay 100 bucks a year just to use this on their iPad. Maybe if they were on the fence about putting Office on their other computers, they will. And certainly if you're in a situation where somebody else has paid for your copy of Office, your Office 365 subscription, then you're in great shape because this is just a freebie that you didn't have before. Well, this is the thing that bothers me about the whole marketing plan. Because if you don't already have Office 365 or are considering converting your entire Word licensing to that, this is a big waste of money. I was kind of thinking here, Microsoft would have done better to offer each app separately, say $20 each or $25 each. And remember, with Apple's iWork, the way it works now, if you buy a new Mac, iPhone, or iPad, you get it free. If you had the previous version, updates are free. But if you buy it from scratch, it's still $19.99, right? Yeah. Okay. So Microsoft is offering the better product. Make it $29.99 for each app. And you buy it once and you own it. And you don't have to worry about this subscription. Or maybe they felt if they did that, you're already paying for the first year's licensing. And then they're going to come out with possibly a new version of Office for the Mac. So you're covering that too. Maybe that's their logic. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they certainly are updating Office in general. It's not this, you know, there were times where Office for Mac went several years. No, maybe not several years, but at least a few years between updates. Uh, One thing you got to look at, though, I mean, it seems to be working right now. I'm looking at the top charts in the App Store on my iPad mini, which depending on my Wi-Fi. So the uh, top four free apps, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and OneNote. Hey there, Microsoft owns the App Store when it comes to free or freemium product. That's very good. But it also indicates a difference in the approach. The new CEO, Satya Nadella, he seems to have a more realistic approach here. He doesn't mind embracing other platforms when there's money to be made, which is should be what it's all about. Right. If your customers are there, go meet them. Sure, go meet them and the- take their money. I'll get to more of this in a moment. We have Rob Pegarero joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. 
Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth slide into a recession or at worst depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you, has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day, unique affordable survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927, 866-229-0927, or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Now you have to look also. Before Nadella made this decision, Microsoft was touting Office on the Surface tablet as something exclusive, something special. You can't get that on any other tablet. And nobody was buying. It wasn't a sales pitch anyone cared about. So they were leaving all this money on the table. And somebody from marketing must have educated the key executives, hey, 
This is money. It's also money for Apple, by the way, because when you get that $100 a year subscription, if you buy through the app, 30% goes to Apple. That's right. So think about that. So Apple's making a profit from Microsoft. Microsoft is making a profit. Google is not making a profit. What could be better? Right. I was going to add, if you look in the top grossing list on the chart section of the App Store, at least as of Friday when we're having this discussion, the uh, the top four various games, and then in fifth place is Microsoft Word. And it uh, looks like Excel for iPad is in the 12th place. So there are people who are willing to pay up that 100 bucks for the Office 365 subscription. We'll have to see if it lasts over time. But yeah, once again, you certainly have evidence here that people are willing to spend their own money on the App Store. And in this case, a pretty reasonable amount of it. Now, I heard an estimate of $1 or $2 billion in potential sales. I don't know. But if this continues to be at the top of the list, assuming the user experience is good, I could see where Microsoft could make more than $1 or $2 billion on this. And that only encourages them to do more Mac stuff. Well, wasn't it also the case back in the day where at some point, somebody noted, I guess, that maybe it was the profit margin per individual office user was higher on the Mac than on Windows because the tech support burden was lower. I don't know. It's going back a ways, but I recall there was some discussion of the business value of Office for the Mac was, was more than the market share numbers alone would suggest. Well, think of it this way. Think of the tech problems even power users have with Office for Windows. Look. For example, at Rick Broida, the cheapskate from CNET, and about the problems he had. So if a power user, a tech writer who has been doing it for a couple of decades, runs into an insoluble problem with Office where he's basically got to find some exotic method online to uninstall the apps because (laughs) the uninstallation provided by Microsoft doesn't work. This is the power user. What about the normal people? By the way, he couldn't get the Windows 8.1 update to work with Windows 8 either. Oh, no. Okay. So you have to think here. Microsoft coming on the Mac, assuming Apple experience is good for the new Office for iPad, it runs well. It's gotten good reviews already. I've tried it briefly, although Microsoft is terribly stingy about giving journalists Office 365 licenses. Uh. Very stingy. So I'm not going to use it very much. I mean, if they want to relent on that, that's fine. But they gave me a whole story when I asked them about it. They must have read my pieces attacking Microsoft. <laughs> so they don't like me. So my response to them, the last response I had with the PR people is, look, if I'm going to do a long-term review, I can't just get a 30-day free trial with Office 365 because what happens on the 31st day? I can't open my documents anymore. And they said, well, you know, you call us after a few months, maybe we'll work something out. So I wrote them back and said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll review the product when you work something out. I hope you understand me. And that's the last I heard from them. Okay. But the key is here is that all this does, of course, is make the iPad a more attractive tablet for business. Hey, we've got Office here now. If you don't like iWork, it's not powerful enough for you. We've got Office. Of course, the other argument comes to the fore also, which is, Do the extra features offered by Microsoft. Forgetting the Office 365 subscription, all that stuff. Do those extra features matter to most people? Well, here I have to sort of look at how my own use of Office-type apps has changed. 
uh, one of the biggest contributors to reducing the number of times I open a word processor or a spreadsheet of any kind is QuickLook in OS X. I've gotten so used to it. There's a file, docx, xls, whatever. Hit the space bar. I view it. I get what I need out of it. The only time I need to open it is if I need to copy and paste something. And then um, for a lot of other stuff, you know, for basic word processing, text edit actually works pretty well. I mean, I'm, I'm in the comfortable position in that most of my writing is getting poured into somebody else's content management system. So I don't need to format it too much. Formatting is only going to get in the way. Uh, the most complicated formatting I do is on my own invoices and that gets saved as a PDF. So I don't need word for that. And meanwhile, if, if you do have to work, you know, at some length in complicated office docs, you can open them in Google docs, which is free. LibreOffice is a free download and doesn't have the requirement for bandwidth you get with Google docs. Uh, the whole competitive market has changed a whole lot. It's no longer a case where if your platform doesn't have Office, you're not relevant. So in a situation like that, Microsoft has to face reality here, which is if they don't embrace these other platforms, particularly iOS and war with more support for the Mac, they're going to lose a lot of money. It's going to be left on the table. That's not very helpful for them. Right. Now, what does that signify for Microsoft in the future, though? Do you see the new CEO focusing more on the software and services and less on the products, although they're saddled now with Nokia's handset division? Right. And, of well, course, I mean, the Xbox. Look at what's going on with Nokia. They're, they're shipping a, a phone that runs a version of Android, although it's kind of forked beyond recognition. Um, I think it's good for them to recognize that, I mean, software and services have been part of the, the mantra at Microsoft for a while. But now you're seeing some pretty clear evidence that, you know, they're real about this. They mean it. They've improved a lot of their act in general, looking at um, their consumer-facing web properties. Uh, Outlook.com is so much better than uh, what Hotmail was, say, five years ago. They've really done a good job of trying to compete with Google and give people a viable alternative. It's definitely better. OneNote has gotten really good reviews. Yeah, I'd sort of held off on using that before when it was not free, and now I'm pretty much a wholly on subsidiary of Evernote, so it's probably too late for me. And one of the reviews I read of Office for the iPad, this is from ZDNet, which is part of CNET, and we know that CNET and ZDNet are not always friendly towards products from Apple. Healthy competition there. They called Office for the iPad the gold standard of Office apps for Apple's mobile platform. And it's pretty high praise. We're talking about the first release here. Right. And I looked at it. It took a little while to get started. But once it got started, it was pretty flexible. Yeah, of course, in terms of your competition, there isn't a whole heck of a lot. You have pages where the cross-platform angle is, you know, pages and numbers and keynote uh, is not that good. If you happen to have to switch to Windows, you're going to have to run them in a web browser. And so forget doing any work on those documents on your ThinkPad on an airplane. You know, even if it does have Wi-Fi, you can't always count on that staying up all the time. But the key here is that Microsoft obviously has taken a more realistic view of the competition, their place in the industry. And if they do good work, it's better for everyone. We have Rob yep. Guerrero joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The 
nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this 
this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338. And talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins, and herbs. utopiasilver.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Now, Rob, you probably didn't expect me to talk about this, but I'm just going to ask you a question here. Uh oh. All right. We have talked in the past about net neutrality. Yes. And we know a court turned down the FCC standard. Now, I ran into a problem, and we mentioned it on last week's show, downloading files from my server, my web server, and the issue was traced to congestion at the peering point. Isn't this complicated, mm. folks? Mm. Between CenturyLink and ISP and Cogent Communications, which is one of those telecom companies that operates, I guess, between the data center and the ISP. Somewhere in the middle there, you've got Cogent Communications and Tata Communications and Level 3 and all these things. And I wrote to CenturyLink. Now, imagine now having to explain this to a normal support person. Right. Okay. Now, in the end, I have a letter from CenturyLink saying it's Cogent's fault. I have a letter from Cogent saying it's CenturyLink's fault. Oh, well, that clears up everything. Isn't that wonderful? And you know what they all ended up doing? Well, what they ended up doing, the data center, is somehow they rerouted everything through a different telecom. So they're mm. dealing with a different peering provider. So when it communicates with CenturyLink, the slowdown is gone. Don't ask me to explain how any of that was done, except there is a report in Ars Technica where Cogent and companies like that and Level 3 are complaining to the FCC about the ISPs charging them a toll to give them open pipes to send web traffic. What the heck is going on here? Yeah, this is a really tough case. I mean, for most users, they have no idea what's going on, and there really isn't any easy way to inspect from your own desktop what the holdup is. You just know that on a Friday night, Netflix becomes unwatchable. Now, the bigger problem here is, if, if this were maybe a little more, let's say, like wireless phone service, you could say, well, you know what, CenturyLink, you're not cutting it. Uh, Verizon, you're not doing the job, so you're fired. I'm going to give my business to this other company that also reaches my house. But how many how many companies will sell you Broadband access faster than, say, uh, five megabits per second down to your home? I've got two here. I've got two as well. So we're lucky. We're in like the, <laughs> we're, we're in the telecom elite. Uh, with a lot of people, it's only one, the local cable monopoly. Especially if you look at, say, like 10 megs per second, which is what you're increasingly going to, what in theory should be more than enough for Netflix streaming in HD, but sometimes even that isn't going to cut it. So the usual sort of kind of market discipline is absent. You know, in my case, I have Verizon and Comcast, and I guess Netflix should work well on Comcast now because Comcast signed some deal to 
with Netflix, where Netflix is going to be paying Comcast to sort of compensate for the traffic it sends. And Netflix is not happy about that at all. Is that the way of the world now? That Netflix is going to have to go to, they've got Comcast, Comcast is going to buy Time Warner Cable, they have to go, therefore, to Cox Communications and CenturyLink and Verizon for the Fios connection. Is this the way of the world now, where the big companies pay the toll, get their speedy access, and a small company that wants to do video streaming, wants to get into that business, they can't. Because they don't have a, a spare three or four billion dollars around to pay the bribes. That's certainly what Netflix seems to think. Their CEO did a post on their blog the other day saying, like, look, we're going to have to pay this tax. I'm not sure that this is going to be an issue for smaller companies just because unless your data comes over a certain threshold, it's not likely to have such a hit on the ISP's own connections and peering and whatnot. Netflix, you can't miss it. You know, either way, it's it's not that good. And on the one hand, in the short term, somebody's pointed out that, you know, Netflix is probably saving money on this deal compared to the old peering and CDN arrangement, content distribution network arrangements it was making. But yeah, they're, they're in this awkward position. Normally, who pays for the internet provider's bandwidth? You and I do. The subscribers, we pay good money to have this connection brought to our house. And in this post, it's worth reading. Uh, Netflix pointed out, the, the CEO pointed out, well, you know, we said, what if hypothetically we ensured that our users were uploading and downloading equal proportions by going to a peer-to-peer distribution system? And he said, I, I have a feeling that they would not take us up on that offer, even though then it would be equal traffic coming and going instead of this very asymmetrical, all this traffic, all this data getting downloaded as video streams. All right. It gets to be very confusing because at the end of the day, the customer is screwed one way or the other. If you can't get the content you want, if the ISP slows it down, if they're fighting with the peer provider, if they're doing all these shenanigans, you end up getting messed up because you're paying money for services. And if you're not getting the services, what do you do? You can't go to the competition down the street. There may be no competition down the street. Yep. Oh, well. Do you think the FCC is going to figure a way to solve net neutrality? Because this is exactly the sort of thing that had been feared. Well, yes, but even though the rules that just got thrown out, it's not clear where they would have covered this kind of second tier stuff. I, I hate to keep saying this Netflix blog post, but he, can, he made a comparison between weak net neutrality, which is what the old laws in effect covered and the conditions under which Comcast still operates. They agree to them as part of their mer- them uh, picking up NBC Universal and strong net neutrality, which would ensure that there's, there aren't any of these kind of weird backroom deals getting cut and people being forced to pay up for that. So I don't know if the FCC can do a heck of a lot. You know, it may be the case where we're going to have to watch for, it'll probably be some smaller regional ISP that thinks, hey, we can start jerking around content providers and it may come down to public shaming. I don't see the FCC, you know, their, their last statements on this, they're, they're going to move towards writing regulations under a different branch of their authority that would have the same effect as before. Uh, and they're sort of holding in their back pocket this threat that we can always reclassify internet providers as common carrier telecom services instead of information services. And, you know, some of, of those ISPs are common carrier 
information services because they're owned by the traditional telecoms. Right. Except the FCC decided back in the early 2000s, you know what, we'll, we'll make cable operators information services. Oh, and I guess we have to do that for DSL providers as well, even though they're phone line based. The thing is, if you look at the definition, you know, I am not paying Verizon to deliver any particular information. I don't even use the email address they give me. I, I haven't logged into it in like a month. I haven't uh, logged into mine ever except the very first day. I have a CenturyLink account. I have some sort of email account there. I yeah. know it works because I tried it once. I promise you, I tried it once. It really works. And I will probably never, ever look at it again. All I did was set it to forward anything that comes yep. to it to, say, my iCloud account or something. Yeah. You don't even have to use the domain name service provided by your ISP. Just use Google DNS or public or uh, open DNS. And there you go. So there's not a whole lot of information I'm getting from Verizon. I'm just paying them for bandwidth. And and that's, I hope they don't mind. I just don't need uh, that any Verizon aftertaste on my internet. Well, we all love our ISPs. Isn't it amazing though, that you have these companies and they spend a lot of money for advertising and not just for their broadband services for their TV, the latest TV scheme, whole house DVRs, and all this other stuff to entice you to sign up for 300 channels you'll never watch. And they spend a lot of money for that. But if you look at the customer service records, we hate them. We hate the cable company. We hate the satellite company a little bit less. We surely hate the ISP. And for example, CenturyLink's problem is you call them and you want support. It's in the Philippines. And that's mm. nothing wrong with the Philippines. It's a wonderful country, except most of the people they have there are barely trained to speak English. But you do have the option to say, give me domestic support. And you wait. And mm. someone connects and they speak English better, but they're no more helpful in trying to solve the problem. We hate all these companies. Oh, well. Rob Pegarera, we don't hate because he has so much good information to present. Oh, thanks. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. 
great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. You have all seen and heard about the elements of the periodic table. These elements are the building blocks of everything in the universe. You, my friends, are made from these elements. A shortage of any of these important trace elements can lead to disease. Go with the science and take the Lady Talk Health Challenge and get all 90 essential trace elements with a healthy start pack at LadyTalkLive.com or call 855-333-LADY. That's 855-333-5239. Research shows it's not just what you put in your body that counts, it's what you put on it as well. Why not use an all-natural, healthy, mineral-based makeup that actually benefits your skin? Once you experience the airiness and flawless coverage of Longevity Mineral Makeup, you will never use anything else. With Longevity, the perception of your complexion will be natural perfection. Animal-friendly mineral makeup at Mary Lou Health. That's M-A-R-I-L-U-Health.com. Or call 855-321-HEALTH. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Okay, so let's go back through time. AT&T wanted to buy T-Mobile. And the government said, no. And a lot of other people said, no. Destroy competition. So T-Mobile went it alone. And now Sprint was acquired by a Japanese company, SoftBank. This is complicated, folks. If you don't live in the U.S., maybe you don't care. But now there's talk of Sprint and T-Mobile getting together, Rob Pegarero. Is that ever going to happen? 
It's unclear. This this started uh, in the middle of December. It was some story on the Wall Street Journal went up at the news dump time of like five o'clock on a Friday. Isn't Same that strange spr- how those things show up? Well, I'd like to think it was some reporter's evening got screwed up by that timing, but the story said SoftBank was looking at making a bid for T-Mobile. And uh, it didn't take long before the FCC signaled pretty clearly, look, you guys are going to have a really tough time making a case for this. You know, we, we had this discussion not even like three years ago. And I have to note at the time, Sprint was a big advocate of saying, no, we don't want to see the wireless industry consolidated by AT&T scooping up T-Mobile. I remember Dan Hesse, the CEO, yep. who is a very outspoken kind of guy. And he has a half-decent presence in commercials, not quite as good as the guy from T-Mobile. Oh, John Ledger, he's a piece of work. (laughs) Oh, he's wacky. But then, this is fun, though. We want to keep these companies separate because you've got these upstart-type companies who try to do things to kind of change the discussion, change the marketing plans. Why would we want them to be together? So Sprint's case, it's it's been made less by Hesse than by uh, the guy who runs SoftBank, Masayoshi Son, who's on the Charlie Rose show a week or two ago. And you spend all week trying to pronounce his name. Um, that's, you know, my last name is tough to pronounce, so I hope I, I forgive those who mess up that pronunciation. Please forgive me when I return the favor every now and then. So anyway, the basic case they outline is right now T-Mobile and Sprint are weaker competitors. There's AT&T and Verizon, they're way up at the top. And then you have these other two other networks are not as strong. The uh, the frequencies, the spectrum bands they control are not quite as capable in terms of things like in-building coverage. And if you combine them, then they could have a better job bidding for spectrum, you know, getting more of the frequencies to reach further. You know, they have more capital to invest in building up their network. And I get the logic behind that. But I also, I've you know, this is not the first time I've seen the big telecom merger. A lot of the time, the first year is just a total mess as people try to integrate these diverse systems. Uh, Sprint is sort of the, you know, they, they function as a warning to others when they bought Nextel and basically vaporized the value of that company. They wound up not using any of Nextel's wireless technologies. The IDEN interface wireless technology they used, that went away. The push to talk service turned out there wasn't that much of a market for it. Although you do hear that chirp around construction sites on phones that have that service now. So that was kind of all for naught. And so, yeah, I would say that maybe three years from now you would have that. But if they merged first year or two, usually those synergies, when did they ever appear as promised in a giant corporate merger? Remember you know, also that Sprint uses CDMA. Yep. T-Mobile uses GSM. So, so you have this incompatibility the- before you get into the deployment of LTE, which obviously is far from complete. And Sprint uses an LTE band 25 that no one else uses. So... Yeah, even if they were to like roll out voice over LTE instantly, because right now, even if you have an LTE phone and you're in an LTE coverage area, which in the case of Sprint is pretty limited still, your voice calls, your texts, they still go out over 2G in this CDMA or GSM. So yeah, there's not a whole lot of immediate possibilities for integrating the network. At least AT&T and T-Mobile, they were both using GSM. So you would have, you know, it would instantly expand the network. That wouldn't happen with the case of Sprint buying T-Mobile. So where's the synergy? Answer is there isn't one. It's just a desperate move to take over a larger portion of the industry and hope sometime down the line to compete. But the problem is, as you state, for two or three years, it's a mess. They have to integrate everything. P2 
people lose their jobs because there are redundant positions. We understand that. So you cut down the number of employees. You've got a larger network or multiple networks of incompatible hardware. And all this time, whatever they do to market their product goes for naught. And the other part of this, this is what I called out of my Yahoo Tech column the other day, the bull case for the Sprint merger, the Sprint buying T-Mobile is, you know, we're going to have really vigorous price competition. That's already happening. T-Mobile's been doing that. They've cut prices like crazy. They've severed hardware pricing from service costs. They've made low-speed roaming overseas free. So you could say, well, what if T-Mobile bought Sprint? But T-Mobile isn't doing that. They're putting their cash into their network. And they are expanding LTE very rapidly. I certainly hope that my own T-Mobile phone will, will show a 2G edge signal less often when I'm out in the countryside. They say they're working on that. Yeah, and, and the feds have truly noticed the feds really like T-Mobile these days because what they hope would happen has happened. T-Mobile has taken the money and the spectrum they got for AT&T as part of the breakup fee, and they plowed it into their network. They've disrupted the business. That's a legit use of the verb. It's the kind of disruption you want because everybody else yes. has now different types of payment plans. And what T-Mobile did is not unique in the industry, just unique in the United States where you separate the data voice package from the purchase of the phone. See, up till now, you pay a fee. It includes the subsidy price of the phone you bought. All right. But what they did is they separated it. So when you finish paying off the phone, whether you do it up front, you do it over 24 months. After that, your price goes down by that amount. What but a concept. It, what a concept. It's almost logical. Whereas with AT&T and Verizon, although they do have an alternate plan now, which is more like that, with AT&T and Verizon, you pay the subsidized price forever. It's like you're paying $20, $25 extra a month for your cell phone, but it's kind of like the payday loan where you pay this fee for the rest of your life. Well, with Verizon and Sprint, that's true. AT&T, they did switch. It's not a complete separation, but if you bring your own phone, you bought it elsewhere. So you buy a Nexus 5 off Google's site you get 15 bucks a month off the stated rates. And that's nice. And the other nice thing is when you hit two years, you get 15 bucks off the stated rate if you bought a subsidized device. So it's not quite the same because certainly if you bought a cheap enough subsidized phone, you'd be paying more than you would be after those two years if it really were separate line items for hardware and service. But it beats Verizon where the price is the price. And if you decide you, you're perfectly happy with your iPhone 4S, you're, you're just handing over money to Verizon for absolutely nothing. And they love you for that, really. I hope they do. Because we don't love them for that. But as we said, it was really nice to see that T-Mobile had upset the Apple cart. I kind of sort of don't believe a Sprint T-Mobile merger would ever come to the fore. Because there is no network synergy. There's no practical reason for this to happen. And more so than AT&T and T-Mobile. At least they both used similar technologies if different frequencies. So for them, it made a lot more sense. So you go along with that too, right? Never going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the people I've talked to, they are varying degrees of confidence that this will or will not happen. The odds seem to be dropping, so I thought I should just sort of throw this column out there to say, yes, I too <laughs> think this is a bad idea, and if I can do my little bit to stop it, then... There's my value add for the week. Sounds good to me. Rob Pegarero, where do we find more of your stuff? You can find me at uh, Yahoo Tech, which is yahoo.com slash tech, and at USA Today at usatoday.com slash tech. 
There's some exact address that gets to my columns, but I can't remember it offhand. I have to rely on Safari to auto-complete that for me. And I'm on Twitter as at Rob Pegarero, and you can find my personal blog at robpegarero.com. You can find us at Twitter. We are at Tech Night Owl, at Tech Night Owl on Twitter. Follow us and maybe we'll follow you. Also go to our website, technightowl.com, where we have radio shows, episodes of the Tech Night Owl Live, Going back to 2007, who could have uh, thunk it? But we had never put up all the shows from 2002. If anyone wants them, we'll figure out a way to do it. We've got another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Paracast. This weekend, we're going to discuss the incredible, frightening mystery of cattle mutilations. Are those ouch. paranormal events? Ouch, indeed. I'll tell you. That's at Paracast.com, Paracast.com. Rob Pegarero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. You're welcome. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.